What is up, everybody? This is uh, Matt DeMarinas sitting here with uh, John Niatawa at House Niatawa, actually. Well, you're not a Game of Thrones fan, so that's probably not... Nah, I don't understand. Okay. My wife is, though. Well, then it works, because okay. she's in Niatawa now, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, we're at House Niatawa for... Um, sitting here trying to break down this Creighton-Butler game, uh, the Bulldogs. Is that a good thing? Because I think we all die. Right, isn't that whole game with it? There's a few characters still alive, spoiler alerts <laughs> out there, but there's just a few. You, you might survive. Hopefully, we'll be the lucky ones. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a final season. Maybe everybody will die then. So I'll let you know. Um, yeah, what? Butler gets off the deck, though. Uh, got housed by Florida. Got kind of punked a little bit by Georgetown in their home opener in the Big East play. Um, we came back, fired up. Uh, Got to a big lead, hung on to it, beat Creighton 84-69, so the Jays are 1-1 one one in Big East play now with Marquette and Villanova <laughs> coming to Omaha next. Um, so not uh, not definitely not Stormy Skies gone yet in terms of what's up on the schedule. Uh, but yeah, I guess uh, John's is your hosting. We'll let you lead off. You know. Well, I thought it was fitting that you brought up Game of Thrones, I, I think. Did it feel like that? Well, it's Game of Thrones is like kind of defined by like just massacre occurs yeah, on, yep. uh, isn't it? Just uh, essentially, it's all one massacre leading to another massacre <laughs> yeah. after that. Like, yes, there's some slow moments in between, yeah. but it's all building up to a war. That Creighton Butler game, especially in the first half, kind of felt like that. Yeah. Um, Butler was the aggressor from the start, both and, ends of the floor. Yeah, both of the, both ends of the floor, and Creighton kind of just had just took it and couldn't figure it out. Um, couldn't settle in couldn't come up with a response until it was too late. And um, I thought, I, I wasn't surprised that we saw that sort of um, level of urgency and effort and activity from Butler just because of the last two games. Um, but I was a little bit surprised that it took the Jays really until the second half to, mm-hmm. to figure it out. Because it's not like they haven't seen that sort of uh, you know attacking defense before. Uh, maybe not to the degree that Butler did it, um, you know, Guys like Aaron Thompson and Kamar Baldwin are good defenders, and um, the Bulldogs had really good shape defensively. They were. Did you get a soccer reference for the? <laughs> yeah, I think I might have. All right, uh, I'm with they, you. They uh, they were alert and they reacted well. Had good instincts in terms of when they were digging in on drivers and bringing that help defender over to slap the ball away. They had nine steals in the first half. I mean, to me, that was the difference. Creighton certainly didn't hit shots that it normally hits. Um, I, Butler obviously got confident offensively, but those t- turnovers, to me, set the tone. And they were a result of Creighton's inability to maybe uh, make smart decisions and be as focused as it needed to be, but also just Butler's tenacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in a game against... Uh, Providence, I thought Creighton was the team that set the tone with the way that it was connected and engaged defensively in this game. It was it was its opponent, and, and the Jays didn't do enough in other parts of the game to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for the purposes of, purposes of this podcast, the why is going to be more important than the what, because the what, I think, is pretty self-explanatory when you look at how Butler won this game <clears throat> and what they wanted off of. I will say one thing that I, McDermott said on the uh, radio postgame show was that he thought the ball didn't move and the players didn't move enough early in possessions in the first half. Creighton started the game 3 of 13 from the floor and turned it over four times mm-hmm. and managed just seven points in the first like eight or nine minutes of the game. 
And uh, I think during that stretch and probably during stretches after that, McDermott's point was that, you know, if, if the ball would have been moving, if the players would have been moving, you force Butler to actually play some defense and rotate and close out, that it, it makes it harder for them to sort of collectively defend and bring that help defender because he's kind of scrambling back to his guy. And, and uh, there's just more more movement leads to better offense. And I think maybe he thought that the Jays were stagnant in the first half and they got some better looks in the second Um but again, you probably would have liked to see that adjustment made earlier. Sure. Because when you're down 19 and a half, it's really difficult to to make it a game after that. Well, I think it's one of those things where the players talked about after, you know, in the, in the days leading up to this, they felt like against Providence, even in moments where the Friars had good things going or a good flow going or a good run going, they never felt like they were playing themselves out of the game. They always kind of felt like the effort was always there and the energy was there. And they... They felt like the whole time they were outplaying Providence. No matter if Providence was getting the better of them result-wise, whether shots were going in or theirs were missing, uh, today was totally different. They felt like they were getting outplayed and the results were showing it. So mm-hmm. I think you made a good point when we were watching that first half unfold about points off turnovers being kind of a misleading number when you look at it because sometimes, sometimes yeah, sometimes. Um, because sometimes, like you said, a dead ball turnover can result in a possession that the team scores on. It's not necessarily a costly turnover. It's just a lack of you didn't get a stop when you needed to at the end of end of the day. But Butler's turnovers, or the Creighton's turnovers in the first half, were costly. They had nine live ball turnovers, um, and their final eight of the half were all live ball turnovers. So they had one shot clock violation early in the half, I think when it was like seven to eight at, the, at that point and a shot clock violation that kind of got Butler going a little bit because it was a good possession by them to force the shot clock violation. Um, I think they had a, a switch, and a, um, was it Brump that forced it on? Tyshawn. Tyshawn. Yeah, he had, yeah, it. Yeah. he had it one-on-one, but there were, he ended up passing out. Did a good job staying down on his yeah. feet, keeping in front of the dribble, and may, and didn't let Tyshawn get a shot off uh, to force that violation. So, But after that, it was all live ball turnovers, and they had – it went – Steal by Fowler, three by Fowler, steal by Fowler, three by Fowler. So, like, he hit two threes that he hadn't hit all year, got himself going. Um, they didn't get anything on the next one. But then the final five uh, turnovers of the half were all live ball turnovers that resulted in points for Butler. So they scored 20 points on Creighton's live, nine live ball turnovers, yeah. and they scored on seven of the nine turnovers altogether. So you're talking about how you dig a hole in a game on yeah. the road, that's pretty much how you do it right there. Especially give teams opportunities to take it yeah. and run it right back at you. That was the name of the game against Providence. They could not let the Friars get live ball turnovers and convert that into points because they felt like Providence's offense has a tendency to you know, has a tendency to go into lulls, so you don't want to give them easy points. And they didn't do it against Providence. Today was a different story. Well, Butler, yeah. Butler got going off of their defense. Yeah. And I feel like Butler's offense at times can become pretty stagnant. It can become sort of the Kamar Baldwin show. Can he do that? Can he take it over type thing? Uh, while the shooters stand on the on the perimeter. Um, now I think, and maybe it was because of the way that Butler came into the game with a different attitude, and and maybe the turnovers played a part in that, giving them confidence. I do think that um, they had more activity from like their big man Joey Brunk and, mm-hmm. and Fowler, maybe because he hit this two threes that boosted his confidence, but. Um, and then Baldwin actually did play well today, which he hadn't played uh, at that level all year, really, maybe certainly of late. Um, but when you give 
a team like Butler, which hasn't really had great flow offensively over the last couple games, when you give them easy buckets, mm-hmm. like it it changes that the entire dynamic for them. And I think there there was that one stretch where I want to I kind of want to check my notes to see if it was after Creighton's offense started like settling in. I think they hit a couple threes late in the first half. Right? Late, yep. yeah, it was eh, midway through the first half, maybe like eight minutes left. Okay, and um. They, Butler, it was like, oh, there, Creighton is finally settling in, but, but, but Butler, because of the turnovers and, and the way that the game had transpired, I mean, Butler was up by 14 at the time, once Creighton finally, like, looked like it was comfortable, um, Butler was already confident. Yep. And so, you saw, they were already you, in the saw game you saw Kamar Baldwin, who's shooting under 30% from three, he had the ball at the top of the key, and he just rose up and, and buried a three. Um, you saw Jorgensen take... Was it Balik? I think just go one on one right to the rack on him. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean McDermott hit a a tough three. I think maybe you wouldn't want to give him as as much space as you did, but he, he had a tough tough three. And then Baldwin like did his. I thing think he had, he had a three on Marcus. That was a short closeout. Okay. So that was, it was, that tough, maybe it was Marcus that was there, but it, the closeout yeah. wasn't there. To, it, didn't, uh, it didn't. It was kind of they talk about shot, breaking though. rhythm all the time. They didn't. It's it didn't. True. It didn't break rhythm. Um, so. It was a deep shot though. So mm-hmm. but um, so he hit that one, and then. Baldwin got going in the paint and hit like a fadeaway jumper. And so I, there was like, those were the four scores in a six possession span. There were actually two scores before those six possessions. So um, Butler scored on six of eight possessions in, a, in what I thought was a critical stretch because Butler made the initial surge to get up by double digits. Then Creighton started settling in offensively and Butler came at him again. Yeah. And, uh, and to me, it was a result of Butler just being so confident and comfortable because of the early mistakes that Creighton made, because Creighton wasn't able to get off to a good start offensively. Um, Butler had its momentum and, and that swagger. Um, the crowd was into the game, and they just kind of fed off that and propelled, the Bulldogs sort of propelled themselves ahead even for, even further, able to build off the lead, and then they finished the half strong too. So um, it's, it's funny, basketball, especially with these teams that are, in the Big East that are still kind of finding themselves. they got new players adjusting to new roles. There's young guys contributing in spots where they haven't contributed before. Confidence is so key. And um, uh, a lot of times, I think... Well, that was one of the things Mac mentioned in the postgame, too, was if he felt like if, you know, Creighton hit that 11-0 run to start the second half, they had done that to start the first half, or even something similar, half that that good, to the point where you start sowing seeds of doubt back into Butler's minds and all the memories of the Georgetown and Florida games are coming back into their heads. Then they're not playing with the swagger they're playing with the rest of that, that surge that they had in the first half. Exactly. But for them to get off to a good start and for you to give them the ball to do it, yeah. it just created too much of a, of, a, of a downhill slide for Creighton that they couldn't really get control of in time. I mean, honestly, it just came down to running out of time. Like, the, Butler's surge was too significant Creighton didn't stop it, didn't didn't slow it in time for them to have enough, um, for them to build enough rhythm to come back from it. Like, the lead was just too, they were down 19 and a half, and they hit an 11-0 run in the second half. An 11-0 run in the second half to, on the road, you know, that could swing the whole game. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the hole was too big to climb out of yeah. that they hit an 11-0 run and were still down eight, you know what I mean? Like, that's it's just too, it was just too much. It was all off their miscues. Like I think they're going to be kind of. I will. I I'm curious to see what. What practice looks like, at least in the short term, here with Marquette, Villanova, and St. John's three teams that Creighton's going to have to score the ball effectively against to beat no matter yeah. what. Like Creighton, as many strides as they want to make defensively, 
they're not going to slow down Marquette, those three teams, enough to win the game on that end of the floor alone. Given their so they're gonna Yeah, they're going to have to build more are. rhythm offensively than yep. they've been having. And in practice, they've been focusing heavily on the defensive side of the ball because they feel like if that side of the ball just gives them a chance to win the game, their offense has enough already invested in it in the time they spent developing these players to carry the day. But today, they struggled offensively. And when you, I mean, when you take away the Providence game, which they did, they, they took care of the ball, they executed offensively pretty well, they played good defense. Like, that was probably their most complete game. But, I mean, 18 turnovers against Oklahoma, that cost them. Mm-hmm. 18 turnovers against UMKC, that had that been a better opponent, might have cost them. And then 15 today, that resulted in 25 points on turnovers against Butler, cost them again. Right. So the offense, I think can kind of be blamed more than the defense, finally, for once, at least in my mind, for a Creighton team, which tends to always get this defense. Um, yeah, because their offense, because put, they put them in their their own defense in a bad spot exactly, in some of these situations. Exactly. Yeah. And it was interesting, actually, at the end of the game, I remember Creighton went to a 1-3-1. I mean, it was, it was kind of, you know, it wasn't getting a lot of stops. I think it was just trying to change the look for Butler, but it was... Mm-hmm. It was funny because we both, you and I, were talking a little bit when they made that move. It's like, you know, I haven't in the half court. I haven't felt like Creighton has played that poorly defensively. Right. Uh, but I mean, they, I think they at that at that point they're down fifteen. You're just hoping maybe you can get a turnover, some long rebounds, lead out to leads lead to some runouts. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of a, I don't know, if lack of a better term, desperation move to yeah. to go with the run at the end. So I will be curious to see if in practice they they bring back some of those. Those toughness drills they did in the in the summer where, you know, finishing through contact mm-hmm. and ball security. A lot of ball handling ball, drills that they yeah. do with Preston a lot. Uh, look, look look at the turnovers. Let's see. Davion Mintz had two. Mm-hmm. Tyson Alexander had three. Mitch Ballack had two. Four for Zagorowski. Four for Marcus Zagorowski. I mean, that's, that's uh, Those are your primary ball, primary ball handlers who uh, account for 11 of your 15 turnovers. Mm-hmm. You know, that obviously... You can't, you can't have that. So. Right. And especially when it's like, like, like Max said, it wasn't based off of movement. They're, those guys were just trying to make plays off the dribble, and they you know, took one step into the teeth of the defense and lost it. Like mm-hmm. they were getting sw- It was getting swiped, knocked away, picked apart. Um, they weren't very strong with the ball. Today. So ball security, I think, is a priority because you can't, like I said, as much as Creighton wants to be better defensively, in the short term they're playing Villanova and Marquette and St. John's. So in the short term... When you're talking about trying to find the best way to win those games or put give yourself a chance to win those games, extra possessions is the thing for me. You can't give teams that can score the ball at the level that those three teams can score the ball extra possessions against you, right. no matter where you're playing. And then when you think about just Creighton, you know, it does have deficiencies defensively. It's a much better team um, when it plays defense in the half court and it can get set and just kind of it doesn't have to sort of scramble its way into mm-hmm. uh, defense where it's matching up and, you know, maybe you have a mismatch somewhere and you're trying to make sure the alignment's correct, the structure's there um, after a turnover. Because even if, even if the turnover doesn't result in an um, immediate fast-break bucket, you know, there's the secondary break, and then there's that offense that just starts... You, when, when a team like Butler, there was a couple of situations today where Butler got the live ball turnover... Didn't get anything on the initial break, but then it just started its offense, and Creighton was still sort of trying to figure yeah. it out. It was you're still not, scrambling in its Yeah, you're not set, set yet, yeah. right? And and there's probably, I would imagine, in certain situations, mismatches or guys are you just kind of match up to the the closest guy to you mm-hmm. and try to um, hold off that initial surge. But then you have to then you have to fix it after that, right. and and it can be difficult. So yeah, against I just I mean. That seems like a nightmare scenario against a team like Marquette and Villanova yeah. and certainly St. John's if you're giving the ball away. 
and letting them get in their offense with uh, with you at a disadvantage situation. Yeah. That giving you get like letting them get into the flow against you in scramble mode. Yeah, because <laughs> because it's like the thing that Creighton, what Creighton is defensively is a scouting report defense. So they have principles and they prepare for personnel very well. If you're in situations where it's chaos and you've given it up and you're not matched up properly and you're kind of being run, it's run, being run back at you, it's hard to remember who's where because they're not running sets at you. Right. They're essentially you know playing free and just trying to look for the the opportunity to score, and that's tough to do defensively. It's tough to match up against that for all the reasons you've mentioned here. Um, when you're turning the ball over and it's coming back at you in, in three-on-twos or five-on-fours and situations like that where you where you have disadvantages. Because it's not... At that point, a scouting report doesn't matter. It's all about personnel at that point. Yeah. And, and they can find mismatches easier when the ball's coming back at you in a live ball situation when it's turned around that quickly. So, yeah, I think that's... I think ball security is, is important, and I wouldn't be surprised if Creighton got back to more of their fundamentals offensively in terms of how... They can take care of it a little bit better and execute better in the half court of their offense. Uh, because I think, not to borrow too much from soccer, but you did use defensive shape earlier, so <laughs> I think I can do one here. Go ahead. Um, I think Creighton can play defense with his offense a little bit. You know, I think they're. I think some. They're not. I don't. I don't expect Creighton to be a top fifty, a top twenty-five defensive team with the way they're structured. But I think with their offense and with their pace. Um, they can play defense with their offense a little bit by getting good shots, by make, by you know killing teams' mojo with by hitting shots against them, um, by playing with pace and wearing the other team out. Which I thought they started to do against Butler a little bit. I thought Butler started to get a little bit tired as the mm-hmm. game wore on. But at that point, they're up already, so yeah. it's not you're not there's not a lot of pressure on them. They're just tired, and you know I think when Creighton's executing at a high level offensively, that helps their defense because of all the things that their defense struggles to do as a whole. You know, in the half court, I don't think they're that bad. Um, you know, they certainly have improved a lot on the principles that they've been working on in terms of the closeouts, uh, help to the ball, digging to the post, all those sorts of things. I think they're getting pretty good at to the point where their defense shouldn't be the reason they lose games. And I don't think, and I know Butler shot fifty percent from the field, and I know Baldwin went off, but I don't think their defense was the reason they lost today. You know, I think they're. I think they put their defense in a bad spot. So. They they did. They didn't help it. I don't think the defense was great today. No, but I, but I think it was good enough to win. Do you think it was good enough to win? Do you disagree there? Well, yeah. I, okay. I think you're probably right. Honestly, I mean, it's hard to say. I don't even. I don't know. You know what sticks out in my head is the second half, and and Creighton kind of get a key stop to. I mean, the margin for error is so slim when you're down 19 at the break. Mm-hmm. But I just from there were so many situations where I feel like. You know, Baldwin just put his head down and got to the rim, and they couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right, well, yeah, though. Cause like, what, how many possessions was the first half? Do you know? I, I tried to look it up on set broadcast. And yeah, it's like, up there. My count was 36. Okay. So Butler scored 48 close. points off of those, on 36 possessions, we think. Um, but 20 of those were off, of those are off, off live ball turnovers. Yeah. So in the second half, Creighton had... It was a 30-possession game, then, if we're adding this up right? If that's correct. So yeah. Butler scored 36 points on 30 possessions, which is... Uh, not great def- yeah. defense, but there were like I think Butler only had five points off of turnovers, yeah. and I don't think any of them were live ball. I think all their, if I went back and looked at it right, I think all of Creighton's live ball turnovers they actually forced a turnover on three of those possessions themselves to get it back. In so the second little, half, yeah, okay. so there's a little bit more fight there in terms of not letting Butler convert those as as well as they did in the first half. 
But again, we're talking about at that point, you're already in too big of a hole. Yeah. I you, think, I they think got to a point in the game where they had to be perfect, you know, yeah, I mean, right. for a large stretch of time. We've said that a couple game. times this year, you know. We have. At Oklahoma and at Nebraska, um, they got to a point in the game where they had to play perfectly to, to get to a win. And I'm not quite sure why. I kind of would be interested. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if the, the coaching staff will, will make a theory on this yet just because it is January. But, but. With three instances now where Creighton, where everything's gone wrong, you know, mm-hmm. where the, the defense hasn't been great. Where all three phases have and, been. And the offense has been, you know, yeah. where, where it's just all, because if at least for a half. Nothing's picked it up, right? If, a, if, yeah. if your offense is struggling, defense picks it up for a stretch to not let it be so bad, right? Is that what you're talking about? That's yeah. what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. But where you, you don't, you don't necessarily, sure, sure, you can understand going into a game where something's not there. You're not going to play your perfect a perfect game every game, or right. you're not going to play well in all facets every game. So when when something that's not there, you would hope something else is there. Against Gonzaga, maybe you could argue that was the the game where Creighton had its offense sort of carry it. The defense um, had issues slowing down Gonzaga, but at least your offense was there. Mm-hmm. But especially in the first half against Nebraska, in the first half against Oklahoma, in the first half today, um, neither neither <laughs> neither side was was. They they weren't able to do much on on either end, so yeah, that just, to me is a little bit you know it's 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 uh it's just something to kind of keep an eye on with this team. I wonder if uh, they can pinpoint a reason for why that happens, and if they can, obviously that would be beneficial because um they're going to be playing seven more road games. Yeah, the ability to identify that sooner in the moment is, <laughs> is paramount. That would be ideal. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's going wrong? Let's fix it. Uh, just for some statistical context. Uh, since we're talking about points off turnovers, Butler had 20 in the first half. And that alone, if Butler had not scored another point, it wouldn't have mattered. That was a season high for Creighton giving up in points off turnovers. So you think about how bad the Nebraska game was, Oklahoma, how well Gonzaga converted off of Creighton's actually best turnover rate game of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, that was still a season high today. So as bad as it looked, it was that bad. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so we do some individual performances. I think... Uh, I'm curious to see on a rewatch. I know we talked about this during the game. Uh, Martin Crample, I thought, had another strong game. I thought he was really effective. And Samson Froling, to a degree, too, off the bench. Offensively, re- both of them, yeah. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what Creighton's offense looked like, especially in the first half when they got a post-touch, or when he touched the ball. When the ball kind of moved through the five a little bit, uh, whether it was in dribble handoffs, or whether you know he was setting the ball screen and rolling, or whether he was getting a post-touch. All those sorts of things. I'm curious to see. How Creighton, how well Creighton executed, and how many of those possessions ended in turnovers? You know, honestly, I think Martin. What did he have? One the whole game in twenty eight minutes. It was that one. It was kind of costly uh, because it happened. In the, oh, it was him driving. Remember, he drove. Uh, maybe took one or t- one dribble too many okay. into the it's the free throw line and got stripped. And, oh yeah, 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 I remember. That was in the second half, though, wasn't it? Was that in the second half? I think so because they had already come on a run there, and I think, I think he was, was trying to go one on one with Brunk. I think might have been the first half. Let's see. It was in the second half. It was? Yeah. According to the stat broadcast. Yeah, he had no turnovers in the first half. I think. Am I doing this right? No, that's personal fouls. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Time <laughs> No, out. I got it right here. Here yeah. it is. It led to a fast break layout for Kamar Baldwin. Um, and, and it was in the first it, half. Yeah, it was Christian Davids that stripped it. He okay. got it poked away, and then he had that behind the back pass it to uh, Baldwin for the layup. Gotcha. That was Martin. So it was the first half. But okay. Other than that, uh, that might be, the, I mean... That literally could be the only, I mean, I'm sure it's not the only empty possession, but it might be the only sort of um, what you would characterize as bad possession when Martin touched it because most yeah. of the time I, I'm with you. I think 
it seemed like Creighton got good offense when when they worked it inside, which is normal for this team. I mean, a lot of times it hasn't always had to work through the. It's big. Usually, its guards can get downhill and maybe jump stop in the lane or or just at least have the have the ball touch the lane so that the defense can kind of collapse and then you can kick it out and and play inside out. When Creighton's done that this year, again, it doesn't always have to be a big. Sometimes it can be a guard. Um, it usually has positive results. The problem today was when the guards tried to get into the teeth of the defense, um, at least according to Greg McDermott, it happened too early in the possession. Those attempts to drive um, came before there was enough movement to put Butler out of position to where you could really attack, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they got stripped. And the other, the other thing was that I think happened early too, and I can't remember if I noted it or not, but what... There, there were possessions where Creighton would turn the ball over on dribble penetration. Obviously, we talked about those, but I felt like the other ones where like they didn't get, they didn't where they made it through that initial wave of their de- of Butler's defense, they would then just go straight to the rim and try to like shoot a contested layup a few times. Too many, in my opinion. Mm. So instead of like their principles where like they want to get in there, jump stop, collapse the defense, and spray it. Yeah, they didn't do any of that. So even when so there were the problem was one. Sometimes, most of the time, when they were trying to get through whichever penetration, they were turning the ball over and Butler was scoring off of it. And two, when they were getting through, they were like, oh boy, it's Christmas time. And they would go straight to the rim and shoot a, you know, a low percentage. Um, so like, no matter what was happening offensively, even if they were getting through and not turning the ball over, they still weren't getting great looks uh, because the ball wasn't moving very well. And I think that yeah. was... I think we could... I, it felt like it was a lot different in the second half. The, the energy, the movement, everything felt different. You know, I know that's easy. This that's probably a lazy take, but it just looked like Creighton was focusing more on cutting, moving the ball, not necessarily not standing still as much, not yeah. trying to make one on one plays as much. Um, and that's that's what uh, and they were effective that way. That'll know? be the challenge. They're going to go to Saint. Their next row game Saint John's. Yeah. And that's going to be a hornet's nest, and they're going to have to find a way to be focused and engaged and playing with energy the way they were to start the Providence game. And they can't have starts like they had against. And they're going to face a lot of ball pressure in that game as well. Yes, they will. Yeah. So it'll be difficult, but um, yeah, I think one of the things I wonder if it literally, it, I wonder if it just comes down to making shots. Although you can make the argument that Providence they didn't make shots, so maybe right. that theory that exactly. debunks the theory. But I think of Nebraska and Oklahoma. There were two lengthy scoring droughts early in the first half of those games, and I wonder if that messed with them meant, mentally. And then obviously in this game against Butler. They started three of thirteen from the floor. Because I thought the but. start of this game was like the start of Providence. The early, the first like two or three, four minutes, mm-hmm. and then when the turnovers started happening, that's when it got out of hand. Yeah. And that's how I saw it. Like I felt when I was watching both teams, kind of like when it was around eight to seven or something like that. I felt like I was watching the beginning of the Providence game, which to me was like, well, I think Creighton's doing good things defensively. They let McDermott catch a ball, catch off a baseline out of bounds on a le- on the left side, which. He hadn't done much this year from the left side. Is knocked down a three off the baseline out of bounds. Normally that was coming off the right side of the floor. So there was like a little bit of a scouting report error there um, in terms of how they executed that coverage. But I thought they were doing fine defensively the first four or five minutes of the game. And it was only when the turnovers started happening yeah. that's when the game flipped. I mean, Fowler's two big threes were huge, first of all. But those were... But Fowler hit those off of his own defensive play, so he was like yeah, creating his own energy there. I wonder. Here's another theory about why it goes haywire. I wonder if it has something to do with like 
the opponent making plays that it doesn't normally make. Right. Because yeah. so the Creighton team is pretty. There's pretty scout heavy. They have a, the coaches do a good job of preparing them for different things that are going to happen. But when a guy like Fowler hits two threes, and that's like. I mean, what was he, 0 for 9 this year? 0 for 9 this so year. So he doesn't... He was, one, for, he was 3 for 10 in league play. The one, whole he doesn't year. even look to shoot it, and when he does, yeah. it, he hasn't hit. So when he all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be uh, I'm gonna be Steph Curry. Let me just drop these threes in. Um, that can mess with your psyche. I think in a Nebraska game where the Huskers just hit all the threes, and they don't usually do that. Um, uh, I think Oklahoma, where they had a couple... What they have? One of those guys off the bench was a big... Played, played a big factor. I can't remember who... I know who you're talking you know, about. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Odoms or yes. something? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah that's right. Um, I'm sure he was on the scouting report, but his his impact, because Creighton shut down Oklahoma's leading scorer, Christian, Christian James, James yep. but yet here they were getting a bunch of buckets from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that maybe that's... And if you look at it, like, you know, Baldwin had 28, so that's going to stand out for sure because he was their leading scorer. But I don't know if he's their best offensive weapon. So, like, Sean McDermott had eight points on six shots. Uh, Jorgensen had eight points on five shots. Uh, they didn't let Tucker get going, um, you know. And then Fowler hitting three threes, which is not something he does. So you figure that's a, that's a jump up there. Baldwin played above his level. Well, he also hit threes. Baldwin hitting threes yeah. doesn't normally happen. Yeah, he was like thirty one percent on the yeah. game. He was three for seven today. So I just yeah. wonder. I wonder if that's it. And I, again, I, it's just my own theory, and I haven't asked the players about that at all. And, and obviously, you know, even if even if it is true that that has had an impact, you know, you got to get over it. I mean, you're mm-hmm. playing against Division One competition. I think Damian Min said something along those lines in the post-game show of, of you know, we kind of have to go into the a game thinking that um, we got to bring it, a little, bring a little bit more intensity defensively because our opponents are good and anybody can go off at any time. Um, we have to be ready for that. So I, I, I wonder if that might be um, one of the reasons why these games have kind of gotten out of hand in the first half. It's just teams maybe playing, uh, individual pieces playing a little bit above what they normally do and Creighton not being able to come up with a response quick enough mm-hmm. and handling that. Uh, should we get to questions? We just covered 30 minutes there. Wow. Um, yeah, let's go. Let's do questions. Yeah, because there's not much else to talk about about that, right? We, I think we, we, we was covered pre- a lot of it. Like we said, it was a pretty simple reason why that was all going on. Um... First one from Brian, is Creighton going to win? I think we can both confirm that Creighton is not going to win today, right? They lost. Creighton will not win. Yeah, they lost. Sorry. Sorry, Brian. Great question, though. Yeah, good question. <laughs> I thought actually Creighton was going to win, which, which was uh, a Providence, my Providence might win today. They've cut the giant lead that Villanova had down to seven with three Wasn't minutes left. was Villanova up 20? Yep. Uh, they're so going to run out of time. They are going to run out of time. There's no question about it, but they're fighting, fighting to the end. Uh, from James Parker, is Creighton is it part of Creighton's defensive strategy to allow to allow layups? Or are we just hoping they'll miss? Um, no, I don't think. No, I mean that's obviously sarcastic, but um, no, I mean I don't know. Did I think Aaron Thompson got a couple that? Yeah, Creighton's just not guarding that guy, and there's no reason to. But I don't know how many of his were backbreaking, and I thought I thought Baldwin's were. If I could say it, like contested but not tough, like they weren't, they weren't tough. Is it tough? I can't say toughly. Um, uh, like it wasn't, it wasn't tough for him to score. Even, but I think Creighton was in the position to like contest his shots most of the time. Like, yeah. So it's hard to say like 
you know, that's a, that's a toughness factor. Like maybe Creighton could be more physical with him. Um, but I don't know. I didn't. I didn't feel like Butler. Uh, outside of Aaron Thompson, who Creighton, who nobody's going to guard in this league. First of all, not just Creighton. Uh, I don't think Butler got uncontested. I can. I mean, I can think of a few. I just felt like, like they weren't tough enough inside to make Butler miss those. Yeah, That's, that, that was. It. I, you can give up. Uh, Creighton obviously doesn't want to give up drives straight to the rim. Right. I think they gave up maybe three or four of those. How many? Uh, how many uh, right hand? Drives baseline. Did they allow to Baldwin? Because that yeah. was something they focus on a lot. In I don't think they gave up a lot baseline. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. Um, but they gave up right hand drives like down the middle of the court to him right. a couple times, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably not good. Yeah, that's probably bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, but they focused a lot on taking away the baseline from him, and I thought they did a good job. They trapped him a few times actually on yeah. it. Yeah, I actually thought you I mentioned was a, that he was getting himself in trouble there. Too. I thought I was surprised they didn't bring um, that hard hedge. With Martine on on ball screens more okay um, push that thing out a little yeah bit. just yeah. To, just to bother and disrupt uh, Baldwin a little bit I'm I'm sure that they were worried that that would stretch out their defense and and Butler can space the floor with shooters mm. but they went to that a little bit maybe in the second half but they didn't start the game with that right I, no. I don't remember them no. doing that so that to me surprised me just because Baldwin has he's been prone to turnovers at times and and obviously you want to do your best to keep him out of the paint you don't want him having the ball. At the free throw line against you because he's he's really he's really good there. So, um, I don't know. Creighton doesn't have a rim protector and it doesn't have yeah. a defensive stopper. So there are going to be games where he gives up layups, mm-hmm. but it's got to be it. It really has to be focused on some of the little things defensively, and it'd also be helpful if it didn't turn the ball over and put itself in bad positions, which is what happened today. Yeah. Uh, this one's from Schmitty. Uh, what and how much? What and how much do you recommend drinking after this game? <laughs> well, you're drinking a lot of water. I've been drinking a lot of water. They stay but you can only drink in so much water, though. Can't you, like, you can get water poisoning, right, if you drink too much? I so think. it's possible, just yeah. like anything else, right? Right. In moderation with water. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm an angry orchard guy, so if you're talking about alcohol, that's what I would drink. That's what you go with. Yeah. But, I, you can, but you can't drink too much of that because you get, like, full. It's kind of, like, sweet. Mm-hmm. I think you drink your sorrows away with, like, um, just some... Some cheap McCormick's vodka. Well, no, I was thinking like maybe like Budweiser, or Bud Light, or something. Bud Heavy, really? Okay. Yeah, something like that. You don't want to, you don't want to savor the taste. Your like you don't want to reward yourself with some good tasting craft beer mm-hmm. after that. So you have to, um, you have to wash it down. You have to wash down the loss with with something okay. that's. I don't like disgusting. I don't like I don't like sorrow drink if that's a thing I don't I've never done that have you well done isn't that? that what the question was about I'm, I'm sure yeah. that's what it's okay. leading to yeah, yeah but I've never been a guy who's like no but a get, lot of, if I get so emotionally low I have to find an alcoholic beverage to do drown myself in yeah yeah maybe just enjoy the rest of the day of basketball yeah try to find something thing. positive to do maybe <laughs> like watch a funny movie get yeah, your mood go. back yeah. You gotta alter the mood, do, not, do you, not embrace it. You have the Villanova it. game from last year on DVR. Yeah, right. Something like that. Go watch Providence again. They all they it was a complete game. So. That was just Monday. That yeah, just happened. exactly. It's got to be fresh on the DVR. Um, this is from Katie Hyder. Does McDermott leave whoever did the scout for this game on the tarmac in Indy? Well, Katie, if they did that, they leave the whole coaching staff on the tarmac because it's a by committee scouting report. They switched it up this yeah, year. They they all kind of have a have roles for every game, so. The whole coaching staff would have to walk home if they did that. But maybe. I don't know. Um, from Eric Strovers. Looks like another year of live by the three, die by the three. 
what can the Jays do to score points when the threes aren't falling, and can they play better D than giving up 50 and a half? Well, the first point is they only give up 48, so <laughs> yes, they can. They, they can play they better. They did play better defense. Well, and they can. They can uh, play yeah, they can play better defense, yeah. We've sure. kind of talked a lot about that. Um, but no, the first first one is like scoring points when the threes aren't falling. That's a pretty good question. Um, and, and we're curious to see what it looked like when Martin got the ball. Up, I honestly so. don't think they can. Oh, really? Not this Because, like, well, I'm going to disagree there, because maybe we can get into this a little bit, because there were... There was one play in the top of my mind where Marcus came off a ball screen and Martinez rolling straight to the rim. He could probably dunk it twice. And Creighton didn't see it in time and never made the play. So I do think they're missing those a lot this year. I think those flip-ups, um, when they're when, when guys are chasing the ball and there's two men on the ball and, and the slip is there, I think Creighton's missing that slip. That timing isn't right on it. I think they're missing it a lot. So I don't think they... I do think they are live by the three, die by the three. I think, I think, they, I think that's who they are. I think but I think they, they can score yeah. in other ways, and they are missing those opportunities. The only thing I would dispute um, about the question was just that they haven't been the last two years live by the three, die by the three, uh, live by the three, die by the three team. Oh, because you're talking about years. percentage of points, right? Is yeah. That, okay. Well, that and I mean, if you look at the how they've shot the three in games that they've lost over the last couple of years. It has there. Ha- you haven't been able to find a correlation. At least oh, I haven't. Not coming through. Um, and you know, you think of the team, the last two seasons before Maurice Watson got down or went hurt. He was a guy who'd get in the teeth of the defense and get a layup. Justin Patton could obviously score inside. Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas were both really good. Um, they could be, they could beat you down the floor. They could go one on one against you. They could be a threat off the ball, cutting to the rim. So. I think that they, I just think Creighton had more weapons the last two years in terms of consistently being able to attack the rim than they do this season. And so this team, especially with now that we've seen the way it has shot the ball, the three point shot to me is 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 more. It, I've only covered this team for three years, but this year that three point shot is more important than it's ever been. And then if you look at the percentage of points from three, um, at least when I looked at it a couple weeks ago, they were getting. That percentage of points from the three point range was higher than it's ever been in, in max tenure. Mm-hmm. That was a couple of weeks ago, so it may have changed, but um, they are really relying on the three. It's not a bad thing because they shoot it so well, um, but you're going to have games yeah, like, like this. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, there, 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 there could have been a path to victory today where Creighton shot seven of 20. What was it, seven of 27 or something? Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. it, it, it shoot well from three. There might have been a path to victory, but. If, you're, if Creighton's not going to shoot it well, it has to do almost everything else right. And right. There haven't been many games where Creighton's done everything else right. And let's also face it, too, like, probably the next three opponents, I think Georgetown's after St. John's, isn't that the other road game? Yes. Okay. Those next four opponents, for sure, Creighton is going to have to shoot the ball well. So while while you while I understand the, the, the willingness to harp on the other parts of the ball that Creighton isn't doing as well, maybe... Uh, or certainly not tonight. Uh, Creighton's have to shoot the ball well against those teams to win the game. You know they, that's got to be. If it's not who they are, it's got to be part of why they win those games. Otherwise, they're. I mean, they're not beating Marquette. They're not beating any of the next four teams if they go seven for twenty-seven from the field. Yes. So or from three. I and say. and you can I guess you can take some solace in the fact that that was their worst shooting percentage of of the year from three. Sure. Um, and you know it, it just doesn't happen very often. They've had. I think maybe three, well now I think four games where they've shot less than 40% from three. They've done a really good job of hitting shots consistently when they're open. They mm-hmm. miss some good shot, good looks today. Um, if those go down, it's a different game, I'm sure. But 
Yeah, I I just I I look at this the way this team is made up, and it doesn't have the same interior threat. Um, even with Martin playing better, like at least I, that's given him something at least mm. a, some sort of counter uh, attack, a different option than just the three ball. But aside from him and maybe Samson Froling when he comes in, they just don't have a lot that they can consistently rely on to attack the the rim. I think they have to hit shots to spread that defense out, and then they can. Then they can kind of their guards can kind of get in the teeth of the defense and make some plays. But it just seems like if they're not making shots, it becomes so difficult for this group, this particular group, um, because I, I, it's hard. I mean, who makes a play for them? Yeah, it it they don't they don't seem to have that sort of dynamic on the ball presence the way they've had the last two seasons. Gotcha. Yeah, good takes. Um, this one's from Loperman eighty three. The defensive effort in the first half has been weak, exclamation point. The def- dribble drive defense is non-existent. That's not, those aren't questions, but um, I guess I should probably vet these before I... No, 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 that's, that's all right. <laughs> no, those, those weren't questions. Well, we thought that, I, honestly, I, I kind of disagree a little bit. I thought the defensive effort was fine. I thought it was good. I thought the defensive effort was good uh, enough. I do, I just, in the first I, half? And in the second half? But all the, uh, in the second half, I definitely thought it was. Yeah. In the first half, I just thought, yeah. I mean, I just don't... I didn't think that... I wasn't watching today going, oh, man. I don't think... Well, it, I mean, Fowler hit those two threes, and I'm like, Creighton was going to let him take those. Yeah. Um, Aaron Thompson scored six points. I was like, Creighton's going to let him do whatever he wants. He can't... He's not a scorer. Like, I, th- I thought Creighton was was doing fine in terms of executing their defensive game plan. I thought their offense was just giving them, was just digging too much of a hole for them. Because, like we've said, not only was was Creighton's offense giving Butler opportunities to score, they weren't scoring themselves. Like, that was, the, like, so their offense was, their offense dug that hole in the first half, in my opinion. Like, that, there's only so much you can expect out of a defense that, first of all, again, it's, it's about where Creighton's ceiling is defensively. I don't expect them to turn everybody's water off every game. So yeah, I guess what you're saying. You have to help it out. Right. You have to support I, it. I don't think it was great. I don't think it was as good as it was at Providence. But that's fair. It was that's probably fair. what they did defensively. What you would think in a game where they hit some shots and don't turn it over like they did in the bat manner that they did. Mm-hmm. That that would have been good enough to win. Yes. Okay, this one's from Quinn Paulson. Why does McDermott refuse to pack into a zone and try to get teams into a three point shooting contest? I get rebounding in the zone is harder, but it doesn't seem like there's the intensity or lockdown mentality in man. Well, I don't know what... That's interesting. I've never really thought about it. Like, hey, let's just go have a three-point shooting contest. But, um... I, I'm just I mean, I don't think Creighton has the length to have a good zone exactly. at all, first of all. I mean, we're talking about, like, even stopping dribble penetration or passing into it. Like, I think a zone, if Creighton were to try to... I don't know, go to it maybe 10% of the time or something like that every game, they would get killed, I think. I, I, think don't, I don't like the idea of going to a yeah, zone. I think they would give them almost like 1.5 for possession again if they tried to like adopt that more. But they're not great at bothering shooters in, the, in man. In man, so yeah, exactly. So, so what do you think in, you're going to do in the zone? Yeah. When you're, you're going to stand still rhythm less, threes. When you're less guarding the man and more guarding a spot, Right. I don't know. That, were, that would concern me. So I don't know if that's the answer. Unfortunately, there's just no good answer for this team defensively, and, and, and I think the coaches know that. I think that they just want to get the defense to a point where it's serviceable. Yes. Because on the other end of the floor, I mean, going into the day, it was the ninth rank off, the ninth most efficient offense in the country. Mm-hmm. So you get that defense up to where it's not 
120th or whatever it is, and you can if you can get it up to 80 or 75 with this group, with, mm-hmm. with as young as they are, um, you can ultimately end the season with with a uh, with a with results that you're proud of. But mm-hmm. they do have to make some improvements overall defensively. They've shown some signs. Um, again, I don't know if that was. I think you and I have an agreement that wasn't where sort of this game was decided. It was well, I think we, about, when we both saw them go one three one, we were like, oh, well, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. this. It was more about it was more about today. It was more about turnovers. But yeah, I think the long term question about what they're going to do defensively um, is legitimate. But I do think there are some. We've seen some signs, and um, you know, we'll see as it goes forward. But <laughs> Marquette, Villanova, St. John's is really going to be tough to make any sort of determination about what they, they're going to be defensively because those teams are obviously good at scoring the ball. Gotcha. On this one's from Brian. Is Epperson going to redshirt? Um, as of two days ago, I still they when I asked back after the scrum, they still hadn't made a decision yet. So I don't know if you know anything different since then. No. That's I, a, and as I of th- two days ago, that's all I And I think so why much. would you make a decision? Just yeah. see how he heals up and, and um, how he responds because – you know, maybe maybe he surprises you with his recovery. his recovery process, and he's ready to go in three weeks or he's something. He's definitely putting on some weight. I noticed that. Like yeah. Rash tried a body in the other day and it didn't work, so he's like, "Oh wow, that's different." <laughs> the <laughs> your seventy year old athletic director bodies you, and you don't move. That's a good thing. Yeah, okay. it was good. He held his ground, so we're, we're making strides. Um, but yeah, I don't. As of far as of what I know so far is they're still evaluating his options. So I. I would say redshirt is on the table, but it's not. Um, they're not there yet. Plus, when they have to see what his recovery is in the first place, like redshirt is going to be way late down the road before they find that out. So yeah. Um, this one's from Doug Nodgard. Alexander needs to take care of the ball better, pass it inside, and play defense. <laughs> Other than that, he's having a great game. <laughs> um, he he didn't play well. Yeah, he did not play well. He, he didn't. didn't, he didn't, he didn't honestly, he didn't from the jump, he turned yeah. it over right away. Yeah. He missed shots. Like he never got himself into yeah. the game. At and all, so. and you know he is a sophomore, but he's also their go to guy. So they're gonna, they do require a lot out of him. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that's that's a lot to put on the shoulders of it of him, especially a guy who. Did not experience any of this last year right. in his first season. Like he was never the go-to guy, but he is now. And so, yeah, there's a lot on his shoulders. But and so, um, you know, I think he's a really prideful player, and you could see it at the end of the game that it bothered him that one for ten from three, obviously. Um, but yeah, they need more, they need more from him. It's it's hard to like. It's hard because, yeah, he he does carry a big burden or he carries a big load for this team but it's also he's a sophomore i don't know yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's there's a that's a lot to put on his shoulders but but i don't think he wants it any other way though that's true so i think it's just on i think it's just on him to overcome it because he he has struggled in games but he also played really well in big games so he's giving you kind of i mean he was he was great against providence mm-hmm. 18 points and defensively when davion got in foul trouble he shut down diallo so he was great against Providence. This was just a bad game, um, and he's got to recover from it because Creighton needs him to be really good with the stretch they have coming up. Yeah, and the question. So I thought you and I both made that observation from the start. I think he uh, got a ball knocked away from him on the first possession, right? And then the second, maybe a couple possessions later, another ball was knocked away from him. He just didn't seem completely. Um, he had one of his shots was blocked by Kamara, I think. Yep. 
So it, he, could, he clearly, violation right, he clearly wasn't in the right mental space at the start. So the question is, is can he, um, can he learn from this game and find a way to recover quicker? Because mm-hmm. you, you, you're not always going to play your best ball, but um, can you sort of snap out of that funk yeah. faster? And he ended up just shooting a lot of threes, and he didn't, he wasn't hitting that, and and so that kind of fed into maybe a confidence drain too, but. Mm-hmm. He's a good player. This, I mean, when you look at his statistics, he, he's only had two games where he's been under double figures, and uh, well, obviously for Creighton, those have been two losses, Oklahoma and today. So right. they need him. Um, maybe there's a way that the coaching staff can find uh, to get him going a little bit better, to get him going downhill, to get him a layup, to get, get him a bucket, the get him at the free throw line, mm-hmm. um, to get his confidence going a little bit. But some of that's on him too. So yeah. we'll see how much he grows. Um, this is from Alex Drake. In your opinion, why is Creighton so bad on defense, and why is this team so atrocious at the free throw line? Um, well, we've kind of talked about the defense a little bit, I guess, but why just, aren't they better at it? Maybe it's just—I mean, this is how they're made up. They don't have a lot of length. They don't have a lot of athleticism. You know, they're built with skill and taught with the rest of it. So yeah, they've they've decided that they want to build a program that is offensive oriented, mm-hmm. and then, and then on defense they'll try to do just enough to get by. Yeah. That's who the players that they've recruited. That's the the way they've branded themselves. Let it fly. We're going to score a lot of points, and we're going to do just enough defensively to um, to win games. And um, I don't know. I, like they were pretty good defensively two years. I ago. I mean, it's just it's, <laughs> they, they actually yeah. Their sad. identity isn't to be bad defensively, but their identity what they what they try to do who they want to be who their identity is doesn't necessarily translate itself to both sides of the floor. They have to develop it. So that's yeah. kind of why, I guess. But why are they so bad at free throws? Well, and I'm 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 kind of guilty of this a little bit because I kind of overreacted because they were not shooting the ball well from the free throw line today, and they they only were sixteen to twenty four, and I thought they were bad to start the first second half. But when you break it down in terms of who's at the line and who isn't, like Martin was three of eight, so that's five of their eight misses. So they were thirteen of sixteen without him, yeah. or other other shooters besides him. And Martin's below fifty percent from the free throw line this year. So. But he's better than that, though. He, he yeah, but he, but he, I think he's too far into the mental part of it now that I don't know be. if he's gonna have a good year at the free throw line. So I think yeah. he's always gonna be kind of that guy at the line. Um, but the other thing that goes with it too is like people want, I guess people want more size and athleticism on the floor, and that probably means what Martin and Christian at the same time. Well, you got to give up a little bit if you want that. Like if you want to take some, if you want to, if you want some. Length and athleticism and tenacity defensively, you're going to give it up on the other end of the floor when they Scoring, get to the free throw yeah. line and those are your guys that have to hit the foul shots because they haven't hit them so far. I mean, Christian's below 40%. Even though he went 2-for-2 two two today and looked, looked confident. You know, Martin 3-for-8. But Davion was 6-for-6. Six six. Ty, Tyshawn was 2-for-2. Two two. Mitch Ballack missed a rare one. He was over. He was 1-for-2, I should say. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's all about who gets to the line for this team. Yeah. Not everybody. They are a great shooting team, but not everybody is a great foul shooter on this team. Right? So that's that's the and that's hey, the battle they'll fight. Positive sixteen to twenty four is sixty seven percent. That improves the free. Did it really? Percentage. Wow. Okay. I so believe. one thing that got better from today's game. <laughs> a percent. A percentage that went up. Huh. I think so. Weren't they like sixty five going into the game? I feel. I feel that's right. They're sixty four percent going into the game. No. no now, now. Now they. Are. Yeah. So that raises it. Okay. Oh, let's see. Slightly, barely. Well, hey, yeah, it's a notch. improvement. Um, this one's from Nick Loss. I uh, hope I'm saying that right. 
Um, <laughs> why does McDermott always look so happy after games that we get blown out? Um, probably because it's over. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't watch it anymore. I wonder if they just. I, I I mean honestly, when you're talking to a coach, like it's not it's the the competition's over with. I don't really, I don't really harp on too much of how they look after that point. But I don't know. Do you? Maybe well, you some people. I uh, I know a lot of people. How it looks. The demeanor. Yeah, demeanor afterwards. Sure. Means a lot to some people. Oh, what I can tell you is I know that it that he cares about it and yeah. that he will be when they return to practice. He will be as intense as. Um, as no, ever, no question. When when they go back to work, and I'm sure he didn't have kind words to say to him after the game, but I don't think there was kind words to say to him in the second half <laughs> at halftime. Probably not. Yeah. But I do. I I asked Greg about this once because I I uh, I was I think it might have been after Butler last year. I said something like, you know, that could have been a moment for you to really sort of get into your team um, publicly. I thought, um, or even just on the sideline, just not like. Go all crazy, the veins popping out, red faced, and yelling all over the like like a madman. But you know, with your words, you could say, you know, where's the effort? Call him out, call him out, sort of thing, publicly, and then yeah. with the way that you carry yourself on the sideline. And in his, what he said is that his sort of approach to it is that he's going to be the same guy down twenty or up twenty, um, and he thinks that that in the long run will benefit the team. Because if he's not panicking or if he's not reacting to the moment, mm-hmm. so if things are going well and he's all of a sudden just laughing and having a good time, um, and the players will pick up on that. If and things are going poorly, he's freaking out, and they'll pick up on that. And then suddenly you you develop in, within your psyche as a team, sort of this ebb and flow, up and down roller coaster ride gotcha. um, mentality. And so I think that's that's his theory anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, there's maybe, I can't remember who told. I, it's along this line, but I can't remember who told us this. But like, um, there's a philosophy with Jack Stark as well. There's a sports psychologist that is around the team quite a bit. That positive reinforcement in any situation is always more beneficial to a team in a long to an athlete in a long season type of deal. Yeah. Than breaking them down and beating them down and talking right. about the negative things they're doing. So right, and that, so, I think that's part of it. Like. You know, there is some kind of good cop, bad cop going on. There's a balance every practice. Like, some coach will be the hard-ass. Some will be the, hey. There's, like, balance. It's like, if you do two plays poorly, talk about them. But if you do two plays well, talk about those as well. So, like, there's a balance there. And I think that's kind of the philosophy that they've developed in terms of how to deal with the psyche of their athletes. Yeah. Is that I mean, I, the more funny. they can talk about it in a here's what needs to improve way instead of, like, a what the hell is wrong with you way. So, but I wasn't I wasn't covering the team four or five years ago. But wasn't Greg McDermott more of that kind of guy who who would you could tell? I've heard that I didn't cover okay, Greg before cover, he got here. But yeah, like, so, I've heard that he that people like think he's changed his uh, mentality a little bit to be more of a positive reinforcement guy. Right, as I think that's just ride you into the ground. Type yeah, of guy. if things are going bad, he's starting to kind of really get in your under your yeah, skin yeah. and and get after you. Whereas um, when they're going good. You know, then then all of a sudden he's lovey dovey. I think that I, I don't know. In in his mind, it's like over the course of the year, if you're if you're going up and down, then your team's going to go exactly. Up and down. They're they're going to follow that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so his so his thought. Now I don't should he be laughing with with Laval Jordan after the game? I don't know. Like yeah, it's, that's who he is. So maybe I'm Laval told a really good joke. I don't know what it was <laughs> like. It's hard to say too much. Con- I, I understand the optics of it because when. From a fan's perspective, when you're watching that and you watch your team get rolled, you're not feeling like in a joking mood. No, so when no. you see your coach, if you will, 
laughing and smiling. You're like, why are you not feeling the same way I'm feeling yeah. right now? But but, but he, trust us, like he, there's he no joke. There's no one who wants to win more in that gym than Greg McDermott. There's it's not even close. Right. But I so. do think a lot of it is just sort of like he he is trying to. He doesn't want his team to overreact, especially in January. Um, it's right. it's such a long year, and and I, it was interesting, you know, at Providence, I I felt he was more mellow. Uh, no, I, so I sit in the one, well, I guess one of the benefits I've watched that game from home, and they they do those in the huddle look ins. Yeah. Um, he yeah, seemed like very, more mellow than I've ever seen him. Those were very in, matter of fact. In the, in the moment, yeah. he's like he's almost like leaning back. Uh, Greg yeah. McDermott's All like, right, guys. <laughs> it's like yeah, <laughs> like ready to mm-hmm. to cuddle up to a fireplace and be like, "All right, guys, you know, just make good passes." Like it seemed like he was really making a point to try to mm-hmm. uh, keep those guys from going crazy and and uh, reacting in a hostile, re- reacting negatively in a hostile environment. For sure. For sure. Um, this is our last question, I think. Uh, this is from Patrick Marshall, which is not your real name, so I don't know why you do that. But, um, in true road games, Alexander's really struggling on the offset, offensive side of the ball. Are teams keen on him to shut him down, or is he just struggling shooting on the road? Does he need to drive to the hoop more? Um, so yeah, there's kind of like a wondering why Tyshawn struggles on the road. So Shout out to Alex Mack, my dog, for making an appearance on the podcast. Yeah, man, love Alex Mack, great yeah. dog. A little bit bigger than she looks in pictures, I'll tell you that. Okay. Yeah, I was not expecting uh, her to be bodying me, but she did. <laughs> she did to me. Okay, Tyshawn. Um, yeah, Tyshawn. Um, I mean, I guess he got to a good start against Nebraska, but kind of didn't finish, didn't carry it over, didn't carry it to the rest of the game. Yeah. Oklahoma, he certainly struggled today. He struggled. He was good at, I thought he was, he was good, good at Providence. Um, he's good in the, he's in good the at Cayman t- Islands. Good, yeah, he was great in the Cayman Islands. Uh, more sample size. That's what I want to see. Yeah, for sure. Because, again, I think he was good at Northwestern last year in his first two well, games. Yeah, oh, my gosh, he was really good in that game. Um, i trying to think what else. I mean, he, really, he wasn't really playing this role a whole lot, so he didn't have to as much. Yeah. There's another game that stands out where he played well. I thought he played – honestly, I thought he played – by comparison, he certainly did, but I thought he played pretty well at Butler last year. Let me see if I can ping it up real quick. If you just want to throw an opinion at the wall and see if it sticks while I'm doing that. Um, at Butler last year. I don't remember very many people playing well at Butler last year. <laughs> Mitch played well. He had 15 points, 6 okay. to 10, 23 minutes. Uh, yeah, Tyshawn had 8 points, 2 rebounds, 2 of 5 in 21 minutes. Only one turnover, one steal. So I thought he, he was all right. That's pretty good off the bench for what he's for the role he was playing. Yeah. So he wasn't, yeah, I don't know. I'm with you on small sample size. I think maybe what we can react to is his bad games have been really bad, maybe, if that's one way to do it like he hasn't had his off games have been like off a cliff games type of deal you know what well, I mean? he's, I, has he only had two yeah the Oklahoma, Oklahoma and, and Butler and right? today yeah. was Nebraska a bad game I don't, I don't, I don't think it was an, I don't think it was defensively maybe but yeah. not um, in terms of shooting like that that like the question is asking I, I, I like just from watching him I don't know over these last two years and you know in terms of how he is on the daily grind of a season and how he prepares, I think I like his mindset. So I don't expect him to have another bad one of these next time out. I think he's good at responding. And I think he's got a good, I don't know, just a good way about recovering from something like this. But bad games are going to happen, especially as a sophomore. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily, I'm kind of with you that the sample size is 
kind of small. I know the bad games have been really bad, and you could argue costly. Uh, if he had played up to his level, maybe the di- the results are different. Maybe so yeah, he, the he, game, he played thirty four uh, minutes today and and was three or thirteen from the floor. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that hurts. Obviously. But I think he still made. There are two plays that stand out in my mind in the second half that probably could have helped Creighton had he been better off. And that that one play that uh, Nick Baugh mentioned that that kind of Butler was able to capitalize on from an infectious standpoint was. Uh, Tyshawn almost picked a ball off that was a oh yeah uh, a skip pass to Baldwin that resulted in a Butler size up three, um, so that was maybe a possession Creighton takes away from Butler and then that, Martin I, missed two free throws and Tyshawn got an offensive rebound that led to a bucket for Davion yeah that cut the deficit to twelve that one cut right? it to uh, thirteen that one cut it to fourteen okay and um and then Mitch hit back to back threes that. Oh, okay. to eight. Okay. So that was 14-8. So, I mean, and I then the one that you were bringing up, um, the score was 64-49, I think. When Baldwin hit that one? Yeah, when Baldwin okay. hit that. And then, and then he made it 67-49. That, was, that might have been the, the dagger moment. But. So it wasn't, it wasn't, so it didn't, I don't know if it affected the other parts of his game, but, yeah, the, Creighton needs him to be better offensively, but you can't be... At that level, offensively, every game. So bad games are going to happen. I don't think this will be his last one. And I'm, I don't know. I think there's... Maybe you could argue one for ten from three. Maybe should have been, if you don't have it, at some point. Like, if you've missed... Maybe after the one for six start. Do something else. Do something different. Yeah. Maybe try to get the free throw line a little bit more, maybe. Well, argue, yeah. I yeah. I, so, yeah. yeah, maybe that's something he can work on, maybe. If he knows the... Jumper's a little short or whatever it may be. Uh, try to find different ways to score. But I think he's developing different ways to score as a scorer himself, just being in that role. Right now he's more of a shooter than a scorer. Um, but I think as time goes on and he continues to mature, he'll probably turn more into a scorer and be able to um, find ways to break out of funks if his uh, jumper isn't on that day. Right. So that comes with maturation. Still a young group. I think I saw I had to squash a narrative that was starting to build up on our message board that Creighton was... Someone wrote a piece about Creighton being a Big East title contender, which, you know, they are. But um, one of the part of the analysis was that Creighton is a relatively experienced club, and I think some fans were starting to latch onto it a little bit. And I was like, wait a minute, let's, 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 let's stop this, because that's not true. Like, the, I think minutes continuity was the stat I used from Ken Palm, and that's how many players are playing similar amount of minutes as the season before. And uh, Creighton's 8th in the Big East in that stat and 236 in the country. And the only thing they've played um, that they've been ranked higher than in that category is East Tennessee State. So everybody on the floor, everybody they're playing, Butler's 26th in the country in terms of that. So they played a really experienced right. team. Right, in terms of minutes continuity. Yeah. And then in terms of Ken Palm's experience rating, they mm-hmm. are the least experienced team in the Big East. Right. So there's gro- so there are going to be growing pains this year. But and everybody's developing into who they are. But there will come to a there will come a point in the season where experience won't be an excuse because all these guys have played. Yeah, I'm pretty sure well. February is like That's you are who you are. Yeah. That, like yeah. that, that you've played enough games in your role to know who you are. Mm-hmm. So if everybody, like I think the thing that kind of jumbled up the last two seasons was a major injury happened that f- that swapped. People's roles around a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I think you know if they get to February and they're still healthy, uh, there's probably not gonna, the the experience excuse. I won't be saying it anymore because no. they will be who they are at that point. Yeah. So, 
Also, I, I want to know, because we talked about three-point shooting, Creighton at this moment is um, it's 40.3% of its points have come from behind the three-point line. Okay. And that's the most in, in Max tenure. It, it actually only ranks 25th in the country, which is kind of surprising to me, but I guess... What are the... Are there any good teams in the top 25, I guess? or In terms of, like, Sorry. teams relying heavily on the three-pointer? Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's see here, Matt. <laughs> no. He <laughs> <laughs> goes, no, it is indeed bad to live Purdue and Villanova. So, um... In the top 25, I mean, I don't... Gotcha. I'm yeah, not that's... recognizing any other... Well, there's Virginia Tech. Who I asked you about them. Yeah, are they Virginia good? Tech. We don't. We don't got a good offense. We we're, we're at, we don't know or think so. Right. So, but yeah. but honestly, so, I do. I do, I think that that's the best route for this team. They shoot it well enough from that's three. Why they, that's if they were shooting, I mean, okay, Villanova is uh, has forty point six percent of its sh- uh, three point or points from the three from behind the three point line. Right. And as a team, it's shooting thirty four point three per, thirty four point nine percent. That's not very so, good. Is it? No, it's not. Yeah. 34.9? No, no it's not. Okay. I think they've actually shot it better over the course of the last maybe five to six games okay. Villanova has. But So if Creighton were shooting 35% as a, t- as a team from three on the season, I'd be like, yo, they really got to find a way to get new off. Like, I don't care what your makeup is. you got to find something different. But mm-hmm. they they were came into the game fourth. Yeah, there should be bricklayers and uh, you know, eight of them, nine yeah. of them go in, but it takes 30 to get there. I got you. Yeah, I mean, I I went. And I guess I'd have to go back and look at. It. I, went, I went and and looked at it. I this was a couple of weeks ago, but I think Creighton was averaging something like one point three points per possession when it shot a three. Really? Yeah. So it's like you got to do is do more of that. Yeah, right? exactly. Every um, every possession almost. Right. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. I will say that context. It, you could argue maybe that. There's a team, Creighton's team with Doug McDermott, um, his senior year, the 13-14 team. They, it was their rate was 38.8 percent of their points from from behind the three point arc. So okay. maybe not too far off from this year, 40 point three. That was so kind far. of when the Let It Fly thing kind of took a national. Yeah, and that was third in the country. So the game has changed a little bit. There's fewer teams, or there's more teams that so are. You're saying they're scoring more. More teams are relying on three, three ball, but they're actually dropping in the rankings and doing that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what's that's what that's what's happened. So it's become more of a trend, I guess, especially mm-hmm. for smaller schools. I think that maybe don't have the athleticism to really rely on. They want to just space the floor and shoot threes. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a workable philosophy for this particular group. Not every year, but with this group, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and maybe you just have to live with today or days. Like I guess the hope is is that when you have bad shooting days, that you can do other things. You don't turn the ball over. Maybe you have a little bit more teeth to your defense, um, and you can get guys like Martin and Samson Froling going, and so that you can just survive it. Um, maybe you can get to the free throw line. You can do other things well. The problem is Creighton hasn't been it hasn't been consistent doing the other things well. What it's been consistent at over the course of the season is making threes. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a bad <clears throat> three point shooting day, suddenly all those other flaws are really exposed, and that's what happened against Butler. So Certainly. the the idea is, or the the hope is for this team is that it won't have very many of those seven to twenty seven days, mm-hmm. and so far it hasn't. So we will see as the season progresses uh, how many bad shooting days it has. I mean, if they if they haven't won it every three times, they're a twenty and ten team at the end of the year. So <laughs> there you go. That's how it looks. Um, that'll get you in the tournament most years. But 
Um, I, I, I don't really want to talk about Mar- Marquette because they're going to play another game here in between, so what what we say might not carry weight into the game they play, so I think we're just going to leave it at they play Marquette next. Right. Um, I, I guess I'll but say... But Marquette's been terrible on the road, so, I mean, feel good about it. You should feel confident. Right, except you. Marquette's owned this matchup. So they have owned this I don't matchup. Know. I don't know and they've been really is. good in Omaha while, while they've been bad on the road. Yeah. They've been really good in Omaha. I don't so. know what that means. I expect there to be, based on how this game went, uh, the history with Marquette against Woj, especially in Omaha, all those factors, there will be a lot of anxiety leading up to that game. Probably. So Hopefully today was enough to at least give you a measured... Some measured responses to it, so you're not drinking too heavily tonight. Um, <laughs> but we did offer suggestions for that as well, in case you do decide to go to the bottle. Um, uh, anything else you got? No? That's Good. it. All right. This is podcast number one from House Niatawa, signing out. Um, you know where to go for all your coverage? Omaha.com. Uh, buy a newspaper. Read the freaking work, by the way, because we wouldn't be doing this if you guys would read the... <laughs> work because he would be sent on the road to read it. So. I don't know if that's the case. No, I'm blaming the fans. Yeah, Let's, I, I mean, they talk to us. I'm blaming them. I'm we, doing it. Yeah. I'm doing it right now. You don't have to blame them. I'll do it. Right. All right. But then you know where to go. Omaha.com. John does a great job. Uh, had sto- what Martin, Caleb, two stories on those guys this week that were really good. You guys should check those out. Even, um, you know, they have shelf life. They weren't yeah. necessarily Butler focused. Although they could have used more from Caleb today. Martin played well, but Caleb, gotcha. Caleb could have given them a little bit more off the bench. Yeah. They didn't get much from their bench, did they? Nothing. Samson. Yes, yeah, so that was it. Yeah. Pretty much. Marcus yeah. had nine, but I think he had four turnovers, too. Right. So. Yeah. So, and then White and Blue Review. Um, we'll have recap uh, this podcast and all that other good stuff. And then leading into Marquette, you know where to go as well. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. Thanks for all your questions and interaction on Twitter. Hope everybody has a good week, and we will talk to you after the Marquette game. See ya.